So for the last several weeks, we have been unpacking our purpose statement as a church. And this is a purpose statement that transcends just a year. This is more of what we feel God is calling us to a church for the next decade and beyond. Something that we hope will shape who we are as a church for as long as we can foresee. And so it's one hopefully that at this point is becoming pretty familiar. Can we throw it up here on the board? And then we're going to read this one together. So let's go ahead and read our purpose statement. Lighthouse Community Church is committed to making disciples who love God, love one another, and love our neighbors. Our, our primary focus is making disciples. And you guys have been seeing the, the use of, of light bulbs. This is my, like, my precious, right? <laughs> and I'm so proud of myself, quite honestly, that I haven't broken it yet. <laughs> I'm sure that there's probably like an over-under on which week this is going to happen. So, almost made it! Um, but I have to like put it away in between. Otherwise, yeah, it wouldn't survive myself and my boys. But anyway, if somebody came up to Kathy and goes, By the way, are you taking that home afterwards? She's like, have you met all three of my boys? It's not happening. So, this represents you. This represents me. We are called to be disciples because God said, listen, I am the light of the world. And as he calls us to represent him, we are called to become reflections or, uh, uh, you know, small lights that reverberate into the darkness. And yet, as we talked about, if we look to this light to try to produce light on its own, it's pretty much nothing but a glorified paperweight. Because by itself, it, can do, it can't fulfill what it was created to do. However, if we take this light and we plug it into the power source for which it was created, suddenly, ooh, yes, I know. This is, and it's warm, too. Um, last week when it was raining, I'm like, come on, baby. So when it gets plugged into the power source, suddenly it doesn't have to work to produce light. It just naturally happens because it's pulling from the source. And, and we talked a couple weeks ago about this isn't something that we have to do as if we, the light bulb, are trying to grasp a hold of God and just barely white knuckle in it trying not to fall off. When we are called to abide, as it says in John 15, that is abiding is tantamount to resting in him. Not laboring, not striving, resting in him. And out of that, he begins to produce fruit. It's not like the vine has to work at it. It just is a natural byproduct of communing with the power source. But, you know, that, that's, that's the reason why the very first kind of piece of after making disciples is we, these disciples are, are characterized by loving God. That's why we're putting such a great emphasis on our relationship with God. And we remember that our love for God is a response to his love for us. He has already shown how much he loves us. We rest in his love rather than trying to earn his love. And so that's one of the things that we are as a church going to continue to lean in. And starting next week, we're going to have a whole series in which we unpack what it looks like to rest in God's love and to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. But it, I don't know about you, quite often when light bulbs stop working for me, it's not because the power source has been clipped off. It's because the light bulb has broken in some capacity because light bulbs are designed not simply to connect to a power source but also to be connected internally. This filament, when, when the electricity travels up, it travels over this filament 
and it naturally produces light. And in the same way, we have not been designed simply to do relationship vertically with our Father in heaven. We've also been created to do relationship with one another. That's why when God was creating Adam, he said the very first thing he identified as not good in his creation was the fact that the man was alone. And and so we have been created to do life in relationship with other people. And when we do, we begin to fulfill what he created us to do. It is a natural product and we sharpen one another. You know that whole like iron sharpening iron? And granted, when that happens, as Lee pointed out last week, when iron sharpens iron, it produces sparks. There's some discomfort because we are beginning to be refined. And, and sometimes it's not all that fun. Sometimes it's like, well, I wouldn't choose necessarily to, to hang out with this person. But that's where the refinement happens. I wouldn't necessarily choose to hang out with my family sometimes. And yet I am a better man because I lean into it. And they are tremendously good people for hanging out with me. And anyway, so, and also, God said, or Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And that is why the second characteristic of a disciple of Jesus Christ is not only loving God, but also loving one another, being in community with one another. It is imperative that we lean into relationships with other people. Toward that end, as a church, if you are not currently in a small group, and you call Lighthouse home, then I'm going to challenge you to get into one because that is the single best primary way that we help cultivate that loving one another, life-on-life sort of interaction. Are there other ways it happens? Absolutely. But this is the best way that we've got. And if you're not in one, this is a perfect time to get in one because we have not one, but now two starting point groups. One on Wednesday, one on Tuesday. I hope that you guys will take us up on this, that you'll come and talk to John and Liz, because this is imperative for our growth. That said, if we simply, if God's point in creating us was simply for us to abide in him and do life with one another, then he could just zap us into heaven the moment that we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, because then we would be spending the rest of eternity loving with him alongside other believers, but he doesn't. He leaves us here in this broken, sin-scarred world for a reason, because he has called us to be his representatives. In fact, we talked a couple weeks ago about how God created mankind in his image for a very specific reason. And it wasn't just because he wanted something to look like him or to act like him. He wanted mankind to be his representatives in caring for, taking dominion over creation and representing him. Of course, we know how how that worked out. And when Adam and Eve blew it, then he said, okay, well, I'm going to call the people of Israel, this nation, I'm going to create them. And they are going to be my representatives to the rest of the world. And he told the Israelites, listen, guys, I didn't choose you because you were the greatest nation. In fact, you were, you know, one of the least of the nations. But I have chosen you to be my own. I have set you apart as a holy nation so that you will represent me to the rest of the world. I'm going to bless you, but not solely for your own benefit. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to everyone. Unfortunately, the Israelites quite often started looking inside and said, well, this is for us. He's blessed us for us. And they began to hoard those kind of things and began to be more self-focused than outward focused. And so finally, God just said, fine, I'll do it myself. And he sent his son, Jesus, to take on flesh and to walk amongst us 
And Jesus became the perfect embodiment of God's heart, his love for mankind. And how did he do that? Jesus moved towards the hurting and the isolated. He bound up the broken. He fed the hungry. He touched the untouchables and loved the unlovables. And he got a lot of flack for it from the religious elite of his day. They said, why on earth do you hang out with sinners and tax collectors? And he looked around and he went, guys, it's not the the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. I have come to seek and save the lost. So of course I'm going to move towards them. And then fast forward, Jesus ultimately showed God's love for mankind when he gave his life for us. He, a perfect uh, you know, man, God in human flesh, gave his life for imperfect people like you and I. Died on a cross so that we could live with our God. And so in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Paul simply says, you want to know what love looks like? This is how God showed his love amongst us. While we were still sinners, while we were still completely enmeshed in our in our desire to run from God and to be the captains of our own ship, Jesus Christ died for us. That's how God showed his love amongst us. But Jesus didn't simply come to die because he also recognized that, that he was only going to be here ministering amongst us for a few years. And so during that three-year ministry, he was very intentional to invite others alongside. He called them disciples. As we've talked about in the the past couple of weeks, a disciple is simply a, a student who follows his rabbi, his teacher, learns not only from what he says but from what he does, and then begins to put those things into practice. That's what we're called to be. Disciples who are following our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, learning from his life, learning from what he's taught, but also learning from what we see modeled for us from other Christ followers and then putting that into action so that our lives slowly begin to reflect more of his life, that we become reflections of the light in the darkness. And so he said, listen, guys, you've seen me do a lot of great things. You're going to do even greater things than that. And I have called you to go make more disciples. The very last thing he said to his disciples was go make more disciples baptizing them and teaching them everything that I have taught you. And I hear that and I go, great, but I don't know about you, but there are times where I, you know, as a Christ follower, I go, that's wonderful for him. And that's wonderful for them even because they, they had been spending three or four years with him at this point. I, I'm not ready to be a disciple. Or I'm not ready to be a, a disciple maker. Right? Does anybody, you don't have to raise your hand here, but some of us probably have that impression. Hey, I'm totally willing to work on my loving God. I, I'm really grateful that he, he died for me, Jesus died for me, so I'm willing to have a relationship with him. And I'm willing to do life with other believers who think the same way and act the same way. But I am not ready to try to go and be light in the darkness. I am absolutely not equipped to share my faith with other people. And to invite them to follow God. That's, uh, that's beyond me. And so what I see happening more and more is that when people give their hearts to Jesus, he creates them to radiate light into the darkness. And yet what we tend to do is we retreat more and more from the world, more and more from the very people that Jesus came to seek and save. 
We surround ourselves more and more with other people that think the same way, act the same way, do the same things, go to the same place on Sunday mornings. And we pull ourselves from the very places that Jesus tended to find himself. Now, I am not advocating here, if you are somebody who has struggled with an addiction like alcoholism, I'm not suggesting that you belong in the bar trying to minister to other alcoholics because that's foolhardy, and we know that. But what I see happening time and again is that although it's important for us to surround ourselves with other believers that walk with us and hold us up and spur us on towards love and good deeds, we go a little bit too far and we pull ourselves completely out of the very world that that God has called us to be light in. We... um, we pull ourselves from the very people that Jesus came to save. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Because Jesus spoke to this need. This need not only for us to rest in him and to, to be in communion with other people, that, but, but for us to be light in the darkness. And the, this is something that he taught during his Sermon on the Mount you know, the most famous message ever given, one that we could spend an entire year unpacking. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, this is, actually we're going to start in verse 14. He looks at his disciples. There's a whole bunch of other people that have come to hear him teach, but he's looking at his disciples and he says, listen, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp And put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. In other words, he's saying, listen guys, you're called to be the light. You're not called simply to abide in me and do life with other people just for your own benefit. You are called to radiate my love to the rest of the world. However... If you just take that light and you cover it up, what's the point? You might as well just go ahead and turn off the electricity, turn off the light, because it was not designed to be hidden. You have been created to radiate hope and life. Please come back on. Oh, no. Okay, so anyway, Jesus, heal it. Holy moly. Yeah. All right. We have been called. God, I pray that you would help the light come back on. We have been called to radiate his love into the darkness. That's what we've been made to do. Despite the fact that many of us have this desire to hide. And by the way, we don't do it. Pretend it's on right now. We don't do it to draw attention to ourselves. We don't do it to say, hey, wow, man, that person is really righteous. I am really impressed. I want to be like that person. We do it to draw people to God. Look, look at what he said there. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds, not glorify you, and glorify your Father in heaven. We become a reflection of his love in our broken world. And in so doing, people are drawn to him. 
We are called to represent our God to this world. And as we go about, whether it's at school, at work, at the gym, when we go out to eat, you, you, maybe you, you frequent a place and you see the same people regularly, we become a reflection of God. And our goal is not for them to be attracted to us so that they will have, think higher of us. Our goal is to be a reflection of God's love so that they will be drawn to Him. So they will see our good deeds. And although they accuse us, of being backwards. Although they accuse us of being weak and needing God to be a crutch. As, Paul, as Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he returns. That is the point of us living our lives in proximity to others. I'm so darn distracted by the fact that you're turned off right now. I'm good. That's fine. I can move past it. So how do we do this? How do we do it? Well, I, I, I remember um, somebody asked Rick Warren at one point, well, how, how does Saddleback evangelize? How do you do it? You know, do you guys have like an evangelism program? And he goes, no, we don't have an evangelism program. Well, how do you share the gospel with people, which is all evangelism is, is sharing the good news? He said, well, I just tell our people, identify what you love to do and then invite non-believers to do it with you identify what you love to do, things that you want to do, things you enjoy doing, and then invite people who would never step foot into church to join you in that. A couple weeks ago, Kat and I uh, went over to Dale and Judy's house. Uh, Dale and Judy, my aunt and uncle, had just moved from our community out to Arizona, and it was one of those bittersweet moments where you go, man, I'm so sad that you're not going to be here. And at the same time, I know that this is the right thing and I'm so excited for you and I can see God's fingerprints all over it. So it's kind of like with tears in your eyes, you're celebrating sending them. And we're over at their house and and I asked Dale, I go, what are you most excited about in this move? And he kind of gets this grin because Dale loves to fish. And he goes, I can't wait to buy a boat because we've got a lake right by our house and I can't wait to get a boat and get out there and to invite my neighbors to come out on the boat with me. And I go, oh, yeah? He goes, yeah, because once they're on the boat, they can't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm just like, that's amazing. You know, I, or I think of my friend Brenda here, who for the last 15 years, uh, she, she loves a good bottle of wine. I, I can't tell the difference between box wine, jug wine, you know, um, two bucks chuck. First date with Kathy, I seriously bought like the, the strawberry Boone's Farm or whatever that is. I thought it was really good because it was sweet. Whatever. Okay, I'm moving on. But Brenda knows the difference. And for the last 15 years, she's been opening her home on Tuesday nights to a group of people. Um, they, they call it Vino Night. And they come together around a bottle of wine and they just have conversations. And the cool part about it is there are a lot of people in there that don't share her faith. People that she's known from school and from, you know, work and other things. And and they come because they are accepted for who they are. And at the same time, she shared some of the conversations that they have had along the way. And they're beautiful. Redemptive. Because when you put yourself into proximity to people that wouldn't necessarily step foot into church, and they get to see your life, and it's not like Brenda's perfect, it's not like Dale is perfect, it's not like any of us are perfect, but when we put ourselves into proximity, then we get to shine People can see the light, and, the, and hopefully they will not be drawn to us, but they'll be drawn to the one in which we serve. And so if you love golfing, how can you leverage that 
to cultivate relationships with people that would never step foot here in church. If you love shopping, how can you sanctify that shopping experience? <laughs> right? Kathy and I have been really feeling convicted because we, we have a young family and so our, our, our schedule's crazy all the time. But every once in a while we try to you know, do life with another couple, either go out to lunch or have somebody over, which doesn't happen nearly as much as we would like. But lately we've been feeling very convicted that rather than simply inviting people from this community that we're doing life with, and this is important, and we want to continue to do life with couples here and, and with other families and so our kids can you know, interact with them and stuff, but we have feeling very convicted that our son, Ethan, is at school right down the street here at Mariners. He's got a bunch of friends that he's interacting with, and the majority of them don't have any relationship with God. And it's our desire that we would be able to be in proximity to them. And so we've been talking about, well, who can we invite over from this class that we can just love on, you know? And so those are kind of the things that we have been discussing as a family. Here's the question that we perhaps need to ask ourselves. What do I love to do, God? And how would you ask me to utilize that for your kingdom, for your purposes? Our goal here, guys, is not for us to be duplicitous, not to try to sell a bill of goods. It's not as if we start looking at people as targets that we're trying to manipulate into something. It's simply saying, I have been called to be light in the darkness. And so I need to allow myself to be in proximity to other people and to be prayerfully asking God, what do you want me to do with this in my workplace, where I hang out in the spheres of influence? And when you're retired, guys, you do not retire from being a representative of Jesus Christ. You do not retire from being a disciple maker. I just wanted us to remember that this morning. However, this is not simply a message for us as individuals. This is also a message for us as a church. Because we are called as a church community to be light in this darkness, or in, in this community that God has planted. We call this church, the name of the church is Lighthouse. You guys ever kind of stop to think about what that name insinuates? Because a lighthouse is designed to shine light in the darkness to help protect people from danger as well as guide them towards safety. But think about this. What if in the middle of a storm, when the seas are boiling and the, the wind is howling and the, the rain is falling sideways, what would happen if the lighthouse keeper went and shut up all of the doors and all of the windows in order to protect the light bulbs inside? would happen in that moment that he shut those shutters that lighthouse would cease to operate according to what it was designed to do it would stop being a lighthouse and in fact it would not simply cease to do it it would actually become an impediment because people rely upon that lighthouse to be there to be a point of orientation and if it goes out it actually puts them in greater danger than if it was never there at all and in the same way, if we come here, this church or any church, thinking that this is an escape from the world, that we are here simply to, to bun, you know, this, this holy huddle, that we get together in order to escape being tainted by the world out there, then we are no better than a light bulb that may be shining but has 
a bucket over it. We actually become a bit of an impediment to the kingdom of God advancing. Toward that end, we as a church are committed to making disciples who as we rest in our relationship with God, as we do life with one another, we begin to look beyond the walls of our church to our community and we say, how can we intentionally love our neighbors? And that's a question that we're going to wrestle with over the next months and years. How can we as a church body love our neighbors? Love this city that God has planted us in. Love this community here in Eastside Costa Mesa that we're in. Now, I don't have a lot of answers for you right now. This is one of those things that we are going to be exploring it and we're going to be trusting the Holy Spirit to make it even more apparent to us as we move forward. But there are a few things that I do know. Number one, I know that we can only do this if we remain abiding in our relationship with God, if we continue to lean into him and let him guide us. Otherwise, it'll be really easy for us to run in a million different directions and all of our effort will produce nothing lasting. Secondly, it'll be, it'll be imperative that as we try to love our neighbors, we are also doing life with other people who can hold us up and encourage us and spur us on and even speak truth when we, when we find ourselves going sideways. And thirdly, we need to get a lot better. I think that we actually just need to take a, a page from the, the frozen yogurt places down the street. Let me explain what I mean. I love those places. And when I walk into them, the first thing they do is they hand you a couple little sample cups, right? And then they, there's the glorious wall of flavors. And you walk in, and I take my sample cups. And, and let's be honest, that's the reason I'm there, the sample cups, because I love snacks. So I walk in, and here's the wall of flavors. And I'll be honest with you, not every flavor on that wall is appetizing to me. There are quite a few I look at and go, eh, not my thing. But there are always a couple or a few that I go, ooh, that sounds good. And I have a sample cup there, and I get to take a little more than probably they anticipated. And I try it, and I'll try another flavor. And if I'm really kind of, if there's too many and I don't know what to do, I'll steal one of my son's sample cups, and I'll take a little bit more. But eventually, what's the point of that sample cup? The sample cups are not there simply to sate my desire for frozen yogurt. They are there to pique my desire so that I will then go and get a larger cup and I will commit to one flavor and I will invest myself in that. That's how the, 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 the yogurt place stays in business is because people commit to the larger cup. And in the same way, we as a church need to get better at allowing you guys to get a taste of what God is up to and how he can use you to impact his kingdom beyond the walls of this church. It is our desire that you would be able to taste and see just how wonderful it is to be used by God. The point, however, would not be for you simply to go, oh, I checked service off my my needs for this month or this year, and so now I can just go back to my regularly scheduled life. The point would be that as you taste and see how fun it is to be in the hands of God and see him use you and the gifts and the talents and the time and the treasures that he's entrusted to you, you would go, I want more of that. And then you would do as some of our people today have done. They're not here today because they went to this Young Lives camp and they are loving on the young children so that these little bit older children that are now teen mothers and teen fathers would be able to be loved on by a staff that's put this whole thing on. They are there caring 
for a very tangible need because they have tasted and seen that there is a need and that they have something that they can bring to bear to love that. And they are loving their neighbor tangibly. Heather and Jimmy are not here today because they're up at this, this youth camp loving on our kids. They're investing themselves, not because they're being paid for it. They're not but simply because they've tasted and seen how satisfying it is to invest in the lives of a few other people, and they're saying, yes, we're in. I'll take a whole cup. So how are we going to do this? How are we as a church going to provide sample cups so that you can taste and see and so that you will maybe, hopefully, grab a larger cup and invest yourself? Well, I am extremely pleased to let you know that, that God has been working for a while in preparing for this need. He brought us, about six years ago, around the same time that I came to the church, he also brought a couple, Don and Jill Shannon, to the church. If you guys will come up here with me. He brought the Shannon. Oh, you don't even know what you're clapping for yet. Yes, it's Don and Jill. I love you. Come here. You guys are going to have a reason to clap in a few minutes. More reason, I should say. So Don and Jill, for the last, man, I mean, for the last six years, you guys have been investing yourself here in our church. But even before that, for the last 30 plus years, you guys have been investing yourself. They have a heart for missions. They, long before they ever met us, they were doing, sharing the Jesus film. From their boat, they would go from, you know, island to island, um, sharing the Jesus film down in the Caribbean. And they have a heart for full-time mission. In fact, they believe, and I hope I'm not I'm speaking for you, but I, I know what God has been kind of brewing. They have a heart for Costa Rica in particular. And this last trip that we did over November, God only confirmed that they believe he is calling them down there. And then in the next two to three years, they may actually launch out of this community as full-time missionaries down to Costa Rica, which is exciting. But in the meantime, they recognize that they want to give more of themselves to this church. And so we have asked them to come on staff as our um, resident missionaries, whose job is not only to oversee our global missions, our Mexico missions trip down to Tijuana with Pastor Cuco, and our, our Costa Rica missions trip that we'll probably end up doing again either at the end of this year or in February of next year, but also to become students locally of our community and say what are the needs what are the opportunities how can we as a church get involved and they will not only figure those things out and find those avenues but administrate helping you guys get plugged in am i have i said that correctly awesome um would you tell me if i was wrong yes i believe you would actually however they cannot do this by themselves i mean on on the one hand Two to three years from now, if, if what we believe the Holy Spirit is leading in, they're going to be leaving here. And although they'll still call this church home, and although we will continue to support them financially, they'll be down there. Which means that in the next couple of years, part of their job is to raise up a crew of men and women who will invest their talents, their treasures, and their time into helping us get beyond the walls of this church to love our community. So if you have a gift of leadership and you just kind of go, hey, I have a heart for something and I want to run it and I want to invite other people to do it. Or if you have a gift of administration, you're like, hey, oh, there's a. This <laughs> is one of those days, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't have the gift of coordination, apparently. But if you have the gift of administration, you go, hey, I would I would love. Thank you. I just want to help out, you know, in, in 
administrating some of these opportunities for people to go, please come and talk to them because they need help. And so what we're going to do right now is, is we kind of, I just want to commission you, you two today to something that's really big. And I know that all of us are going to see how this, I know you've already been investing so much of your time and, and God has just been stirring stuff up and there's some really exciting things going on. And, and there's going to be some time another day for you guys to share those kind of stories. But right now, we as your church family simply want to commission you to what he's called you to do and what you have in obedience said yes to. So would you guys just extend a hand really quickly as, as I pray over these two? Father God, I thank you that you have called us and you have created us to be your representatives. And I thank you that you you don't call us to do it by ourselves. And I thank you for these two that have such a heart for serving you, have such a heart for reflecting your love into our community, into this world, who are so willing to take the, the, the safety and the comfort and the security that this world lifts up and says, this is paramount, and they are willing to sacrifice it at the foot of the cross and say, God, here I am, help yourself to my life. And so now, Father, we entrust my brother and my sister into your hands. I pray that you would give them the eyes to see what you're doing, that you would protect them from the attack of a very real enemy that would love to steal, kill, and destroy what you are doing in and through them. I pray that you would have your hand upon not only them, but their entire family as they embark on this new chapter in the adventure of following you. And I pray, Father, that you would raise up others from our body who would join them in carrying the weight of creating sample cups for us, your kids, to get a taste of just how wonderful it feels to join you in doing what you're doing and to to live out what you have created us to do. Would you protect them? Would you guide them? Would you provide for them? Would you protect them? Would you use them? For your name's sake, Jesus, I pray. Amen. And right now... um, I'd also love for you guys to commission us because your primary role here in our community um, is to enable us to do what God has called us to do. So would, would you pray a prayer over us? If you'd bow your heads with us. Don, why don't you go ahead and pray for us? We just want to thank you, Lord, for giving us such a wonderful community here, Lord. And um, we've had the privilege, Lord, of doing some mission trips with some of the group in here, Lord. And one of, what a wonderful blessing it's been. Got a love in their hearts. They love to do outreach, Lord. We just ask you to put that on each and every one here present in the congregation, Lord. That they would open their hearts and bring their... whatever it is they have on their heart, Lord, and put it at the foot of the cross, any issues, and let them focus on you, Lord, Mm -hmm. so they can go out into the community and do your works. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. One quick thing. He's talking about sample cups. We have in the back at our missions table a little sheet that's got a lot of opportunities for you to get involved in Costa Mesa. Um, it's like Micah and Trellis, and there's 
working with homeless and working with people that don't speak English, people on the west side. And also there's a flyer about um, our, our, with the dates of our next Mexico trips. We have three this year and, the, and information about um, uh, any other international missionaries that we are involved with. So. Yeah. Yeah, so they will be at that back table not only today, but every Sunday for you guys, or they'll have a representative back there for you guys to be able to ask questions of. They'll have that kind of flyer that has some sample cup ways for you to get involved. But here's the other thing. As Don and I uh, were talking this week in preparation for today, we, we recognize that many of you have already been serving. You guys have places that you have been investing yourself in the last months and years, and we don't the goal here is not to pull you from those things, but just to kind of re-encourage you to lean in with a new, uh, renewed purpose. So toward that end, in your connection card, there's a new section today that we put in. It's in blue, and I'd ask you to pull that out right now. If you have one of your bulletins, pull it out. And if you are currently serving in some capacity beyond the walls of this church, maybe there's a ministry you're, you're a part of or something that's just been really heavy on your heart that you've been investing yourself in, we want to know about it. And so if you would just write down the ministry you've been a part of and um, for how long you've been doing it, just so we can get an idea of where we're already impacting. Because perhaps others can join you in doing that. So we just want to know. So if you'd write that down, and we're going to now take our offering. And this is a time for us to, to declare, God, I trust you more than I trust my stuff. I, I, everything I have is yours is a gift from you. And one of the ways we do that is simply bringing ourselves and God, here I am. So if there's a prayer request right now that you have that you would want to bring, if there is a way that you would like to serve or get more involved, write that down on your bulletin. Hey, all right, he came back. Thank you, Jesus. I was so terrified that I actually broke it on the one day when I was talking about the fact that gloating that I hadn't broken it. So, Father God, I thank you for light. I thank you that you have not only brought light into our lives, but you have called us to reflect your light. We recognize we can't do it by our own strength. I pray that you would take from the things you've entrusted to us, just as you entrusted to the Israelites and say, now be my representatives. We invite you to help yourself to our lives. You have blessed us in order to be a blessing. So these, these tithes, these offerings are simply our declaration that God, we place our faith and our trust in you. Our prayer requests are a declaration that God, we trust you more than we fear our circumstances. And in any other way that you want to invite us into this grand adventure of following you, we simply want to respond by saying, here I am, Lord, help yourself to me. Now let's worship together as the ushers come and let's respond to what he's taught us today.